Okay. Now we're recording. Yes, now we're recording. I don't even know. Oh, now it's moving. Yeah, now it's moving. It's fine. Yeah. So Can I hear you? Do yeah, you hear but I'm a, I'm afraid to. T- <laughs> don't touch anything. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even understand. I I, I I can't. I'm not gonna move. I'm gonna be but it sounds no. But it, I mean, it sounds crystal clear. Yeah. It's just you know. I don't know. Whatever. How are you, Jeanette? <laughs> I'm a bundle of nerves. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, now I'm fine. How are you? I'm well. Thank you. How was your day? Um, it was okay. I, I, um, Oh, I ran into a couple of really good uh, TED Talks. Te- uh, Tracy Ellis Ross from Blackish. Uh-uh. She did a whole TED Talk on being over 40, single, and no kids. Oh. So and do you have some highlights? Huh? Do you have some highlights? Well, the highlight was that, you know, she's she she's she runs into the same thing that we run into. I didn't. I don't run to it as much as I used to in my thirties and forties. But you know, the old. Well, you can always adopt, or yes. you can still have children, and it's just like. But I don't want children. That's why I don't have any. Um, and you know, being married, you know, like oh, you'll find someone. Like <laughs> I don't know. She was just talking about the things that we 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 go through, and and yes. what people assume society assumes when you're over a certain age and you have chosen to be single and not to have children. And it's interesting because she talks about. I remember a few episodes back we talked about. You know, a lot of times that whole being married was more about you being chosen. Someone chose yes. you, and. Uh, and as you get more into loving yourself, it's you choosing yourself and 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 your life. And this is my life and this is how I want to live it. And um, I just Without thought it was any apologies. right. And I just thought it was interesting that she she tapped on a lot of the things that we've discussed. Um, and you would think someone she's a celebrity and, you know, but. Not that she's not a person, but I'm just saying that it was just interesting that she goes, I've accomplished so much. And people still will ask me about being married and having kids. I mean, she's gotten a goal. Huh? How universal. It shows you how universal this is. Right. But also how society deems women. If you have not been married and have kids, then your life is worthless. Like your 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 life doesn't have meaning. And she was saying that like. So what are you saying? I don't have a meaningful life because I don't have children and I'm not married. Cause that's essentially what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, you know, I feel it interesting that people always assume because you've decided not to have children or whatever, it's being selfish. And I like to, <laughs> you know, the selfless act of having, ch- you know, whatever, but I don't think of it as being selfish. I think it's being self more. That's my, you take on it. Well, you know, and I had 
mixed feelings about this idea of, of priests being celibates or not having families. And I realized that you really can't serve two masters, so to speak, mm -hmm. that if you are a parent or a husband, it, it, you, are, you will be more likely to think about your immediate family than you are to think about your family through faith, or, you know, that, that there are other children or pe other people right. who need what it is you have to offer. Right. Well, and uh, is it Peter or Paul in the Bible who's single? And he talks about being single. And maybe it's Peter. Um, and that you can still do things in the world if you're married uh, and have children, but the person who's single, you can you definitely can contribute a lot more to the world because you don't have, you know, there's a singular focus. Um, but I think so many, and I, I remember one time someone did say that to me, oh, well, it's selfish if you don't have children. And I thought to myself, okay, and? I, I mean, I don't, I don't understand how people get this mindset of if you have chosen not to have children because you know who you are as a person and what all it all what all it takes to be a parent and you've made a conscious decision not to do that. I think that's the most selfless thing you could possibly do yeah. because I think too many people don't think about it in that way. If I'm not ready to give a hundred percent to this being, then I think that that to me is a selfless act because I know that I can't be there a hundred percent. Nor do I want to be, which might be, right. you know, might be, ooh, but I'm being honest. I mean, you know. Well, I think that that's also the problem with a lot of people who don't have children. They can tend to be perfectionistic. Mm -hmm. You know, if I can't do this 100%, then I'm not going to do it at all. And um, there are a lot of people who would have been great parents that succumb to that and never have children. Right. Or it's just you. I just never had that maternal thing. Well, you know, I can thing. I can see babies and think, oh, how cute. But I'm not taking them home with me. Mm. You know, but I just thought that that was an interesting TED talk that she had because, yes, you know, she's you know, and she's she's unapologetic about it, which I think we all should be. And I think yes. after a certain age, we are very unapologetic about it. And then after a certain age, I think our families just, they don't even think about it anymore. It's just. I think after a certain age, our parents have given up the hope that that is going to happen. Or well, hopefully yeah. they're supportive in your choices and you can go on to have the life that you want to lead as opposed to be in a life where you're feeling it's all obligations, which leads to a huge resentment. Yeah. And it's funny because. Before my mother passed, she was she she said to me, "You're you're you're good. You're doing good because you know you don't need and, and you don't need to be married, and your life is better because you are single." And I thought, is she just saying it to herself so she can <laughs> she, she she can feel better about it, or <laughs> does she? You know what I'm saying? Like, 
you know what? It, it, it's good that you don't have anyone. You know, like I don't know. I, I I have no idea. But I just thought it was interesting that she just came to that conclusion when I was in my forties. Then all of a sudden it was. <laughs> but I think it's just like she she just gave up. She was just like, you know what? I think she's better not having somebody in her life. Uh, you know, being married. But yeah, I just. I don't know. I just always find that rather interesting. Very, very. But that's, you know, uh, a lot of what our movement is about, is about being okay with this choice that we've made. Um, because let's face it, you know, a lot of people say, well, you're you're saying it, you're, it's your choice, but it's just because nobody wants to marry you. And it's just like, well, yeah, that might have come. There might have been a time in my life. But if I really, as we've seen, if you really, really, really want to get married, there's somebody out there that'll marry you. If that's if that's your end game. Yes, everybody has someone. And what is it? Every every pot has a lid. Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing is that if that was if that's really your end game, you can find someone to marry you. Mm-hmm. So then it does become a a question of my choice in this. I'm not actively looking on Match or what is what is the one for us now? Silver Singles. Uh, <laughs> our time. Our time. Oh Lord. Um. So I'm not actively looking on that, you know, but there's nothing wrong with doing that. But I'm just saying that that's not my end game Um, and that I'm okay. How has your end game changed? Um, What do you mean in terms of being single? Yeah. How is it different from when you were in your 20s or 30s? Well, the end game in my 20s and 30s was to get a man. That was the end game. Mm-hmm. Get a man. Well, not just get any man. Get a man who loves me, who wants to be with me. Um, yes. My end game now is to live a life that is fully joyful and uh, joyful and, and stress-free in a way that I'm still engaged with life. So so the end game now for me, it doesn't have a button on it if I have a Mrs. Because my end game might be that I never get, never, that will never happen. And I'm okay with that. You know, I think it's, it's about, yeah, would I like to have a relationship? Sure, absolutely. But I don't, that's not my end game anymore is to be a, a wife. And there was a time in my life that that was an end game, right? That, yes. uh, and that's not necessarily the case anymore. That's not the case at all anymore. I don't even think about that in that way anymore. You know, I mean, huh? Yeah, because that's not, I think if you're looking at life of what you don't have, you miss what you do have. And what I have is freedom. I have I have choices. I can get up and do things. And that means, and it's interesting because that means more to me than having a ring on my finger. And I never would have thought that that's how I feel 
you know, coming into this. Because if you'd have told me at 25 that, you know, you're going to be 56 and still single. I probably would have jumped off the highest building because, you know, that was just a life that I assumed would be so hard, like hard, you know, like, oh, but that's not the case. Far from it. Actually, I have more, I have more confidence now not being in that kind of headspace than when I was in my 20s and 30s. When I was, you know, of uh, dateable, if you will, you know? Uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with that. Oh, yeah, but you know what I'm saying. I think a lot of it has to do with the pressures that we put on ourselves to be marketable. Um, and when you find yourself not not in the market, there's a lot of pressure that is taken off. And even now, if, you know, if I fancy myself interested in somebody, none of the things that used to come to occur to me occur to me now, you know. How will I have to change myself or, or, oh my God, if this person really sees who I am, they're going to run. Now I'm like, this is who I am. Like it or lump it. Which is a good thing. What would you tell your 30 year old self? looking at 56 and single you're really you're the one who's who's the prize mm-hmm. you're the prize stop thinking that people who turn you down are the prize and that you have not you're not deserving of of someone's attention or love or you're deserving of all of that. And just because it it doesn't work out or just because the person's not attracted to you does not devalue you. You're just as valuable without someone choosing you as you are when someone chooses you. That's what I would tell myself. Yeah. That is a big life question. Yes. Yes, it is. But, you know, I think, I mean, we all go through those phases of not being too happy with ourselves. Little things. I mean, little insecurities, that's always going to happen. You're in, you're part of the human condition. So, of course. But none of that really, the stuff that used to plague me, it doesn't anymore. I mean that, you know, the anxiety of, oh, this person, I like this person, this person doesn't like me. And that means that I'm a horrible person or I'm, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty, you know, all those things. Yes. <clears throat> and though, and interesting, and, and to be honest, all of those things might be true. It just very well may be true, but it doesn't define it. It doesn't make me define myself as a loser 
or as, you know, because maybe I'm not uh, smart enough or pretty enough or whatever enough for this person, this particular person. But that's but now it's OK. It's all right. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, you know. You're happier with you. Yeah, because, I mean, honestly, not everybody's for everybody, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. No, no. And just because I think a lot of times for me, it was always, oh, I'm not pretty enough. And that meant something. That rule that really meant something. I'm not, that person doesn't think I'm pretty enough for them. Right. Mm-hmm. Or if you are, or if you saw someone that you were really attracted to and they thought the same way about you, oh, you had won the golden ticket, boy. You know, like. He, this person is saying, I'm, I'm okay. You know, uh, I've been validated, you know, yeah. especially if they were handsome. Oh, I've been validated, you know? Um, so, but now it's kind of like, yes, yeah, nice if people find you attractive. I'm not going to lie and say it isn't. I mean, you know, but if I've learned as you get older, if someone you are attracted to doesn't find you attractive, it's okay. I mean, yeah, it's a little disappointing, but it's not gut-riching like, oh my God, why can't I look like Halle Berry? (laughs) You know? Oh, honey, I was Nora Desmond back in the day, child. What? What? Oh, I was in such angst because I just, you know, why, Lord, why? Why? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, not so much anymore. Yeah, it sounds like life is a lot less drama. Well, also, you get older and you kind of forget. Sometimes I forget why I'm supposed to be sad. (laughs) I'm like, oh, right, that's right. I'm insecure about my... Uh, yeah, I'm insecure about my thighs. Oh, right. Yeah, got that. Oh, that. Yeah, forget about it. You know, I, I don't. Yeah, that's the only good thing about menopause is it makes you very forgetful. <laughs> and she's like, I'm supposed to be upset about something. I'm sure of it. There's something. Something I'm supposed to be upset about, about. but I can't. Maybe not. And then, like, and then I'm like, oh, right. Yep. Right. So. I think it's more about that than anything. It's not like I've come into my, you know, come into this newfound strength. No, it's just because I'm getting older and I forget things. That's all it is. Well, I feel you underestimate the power of your own enlightenment. Yes. Well, for you, too. How, I mean, because I know that you got, you didn't even think you were going to get married. True. And... So I'm wondering, did you have a, uh, were you hesitant about getting married? It felt at the time like it was a natural progression because of the person I was with. And we both were kind of, well, interesting when I asked him about it, he always assumed he was going to get married. Um, And I just assumed that I never would. Not for any reason of you know, feeling stridently wanting to be single. It's just 
I hadn't put that in my list of life goals, and I'm, I've always been a rather goal-oriented person. You know, right, go right. Go to the library and figure out how to be right. a, a doctor, and then how to be a psychiatrist, and then write out the the plan and the and the spreadsheet for it, and you just keep going from right. one thing to the other. And you know, as I said before, it's like that Lichtenstein picture of a woman there crying, saying, oh, I forgot to have the baby. Right, you know, right. Part of it was that, but another part of it was I um, really felt like having children just wasn't something that was part of my life plan and marriage once I met him I entertained the notion but before that I hadn't mm. so when your husband proposed was it oh right okay sure <laughs> well it became a pragmatic thing because I had met him when I was still a student and then he had his life and we once I moved to New York we kind of got back acquainted um, he had a girlfriend I knew her actually we not sort we didn't really hang out together but I knew her and didn't have a thought one way or another about her but uh, I still liked him a whole lot but being the passive person that I am it was very much like a Jane Austen novel I wasn't going to say anything and he wasn't going to say anything so and as it turned out the relationship with this girlfriend didn't work out right and then uh, we kind of drifted together and but you hadn't dated before right when you when you when you knew him in school, had you dated or you were just friends? Together for probably about 10 or 12 years because we wanted to make sure we were making the right decision. And then marriage just seemed like, oh, you know, this would be financially advantageous and we're together anyway and we both love each other and love each other's company. So let's make that final step. And I wanted a party. So. Yeah. But but before but before you moved to New York, did you were you guys dating or no? You were just friends. We were friends. Oh, okay. And then it just happened. Okay. Yeah. So it's not the way I would set out a blueprint for this is how you should no 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 and get married. But we were very good friends. I before marrying knew his family fairly well, and we would spend holidays with them and it, again we had a lot of uh, by that point a lot of friends in common and kind of just thought the same way and it just felt like it was a natural progression right and so you know we got married on both of our lunch hours out at city hall and then after that i thought this is an excuse for a party and then we <laughs> had a reception and then after that where we, you know, decided, well, you know, let's have a honeymoon. Oh, okay. It was all planned in less than three months. Wow. Yeah. After 15 years. Yeah, but I, it's interesting because I think a lot of people, a lot of couples say that 
who 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 plan these large weddings with all the stress of all, you know everything. It's like maybe we should have eloped, or maybe we should just went down to city hall. But well, it was very interesting. You know, our plan. Okay, we can do this on the next day. Mm-hmm. Let's go to city hall. Do you have someone who can be a witness? And so we we went, kind of dressed up, and then after that, we with the um, his friend who eventually uh, uh, became a best man, and and a friend of mine uh, went out to lunch, and then after that, we both went back to work, and. Um, then it just happened that I found this place that was just ideal for a reception. Right. And it really did come together quite magically. And as I look back on it, uh, it was the kind of event and venue that these days would have cost at least five times more than what we paid. And it just, everything lined up for right. us to be able to do this right. and have this party. And that was our aim. We told people, you know, we don't want any gifts. We want to have a big party. And it, it was really a good party, I must say. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to have a party, you might as well be a good one. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then you get to wear a dress. Yeah. So, I, you know, you know I love to shop. So the uh, it was... Uh, one of those things where I just enjoyed going and trying on wedding dresses. So. You know, I used to have a friend who would do that. She would go really? to bridal shops and try on wedding dresses. And I remember when she told me that, I thought that was odd. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess you could. Because why, you know, because it never occurred to me. If you're not getting married, why would you go and try? On wedding? Yeah, and she would go and that. try on wedding dresses all the time. I just thought it was so bizarre, huh? No accounting for taste. Well, it just seems strange to me. Like, you're not... Because that, I mean, honestly, you got to come up with a real good story. Who who he is and when you're planning to get... Like, all of that, that would make me nervous. Because I couldn't probably remember the lie that I told. (laughs) You know, he'd have to have a whole other life. I'll never forget, I was on the subway one day and this guy was trying to talk to me and oh, I, he said, he goes, he says, well, do you have, are you single? And I said, no. And um, he said, are you married? Oh, he, I, he goes, are you married? And I said, no. He goes, I said, I have a boyfriend. And he goes, well, how long have you been together? And I said, five years. And he goes, five years and he doesn't want to marry you. And so then I thought to myself, I'm so pathetic that my pretend man don't even want to marry me. (laughs) And I thought, how sad. I can't even have a pretend husband. It's kind of sad when some man would say, why don't he want to marry you? And I'm like, yeah, why don't he want to marry me? I have given him the most, the best fantasy years of my life, and he don't want to marry me. But yeah, I, I, I start cracking up. I'm like, Shanta, you're so pathetic that you can't even have a, ma- a man. You can't even have a husband in a lie. In a lie. Well, I don't know what he would have said, and I told him how long I had been with my boyfriend before we got there. I know, but I, you know, 
And I always feel, and it's like, when you don't want to be bothered, it's better to say, yeah, I, I got somebody. Yes, it is. Because, you know, it's just easier that way. Yes. But it just so happens this one, he wanted to have a whole conversation about my relationship. And I said, see, this is the reason why I could never go to a bridal shop. Because the person would be asking me all these questions and I'd be like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah and where did you meet and how did you meet? And well, I was, uh, yesterday, uh, at work, I was talking to a friend and we were talking about nine 11 and I was saying how for the longest, well, I've, I still have, to this day haven't seen any foot, any like, you know, all the footage that was going on and all the news things yeah. that were happening because, you know, I, my office was three blocks from there. So I was in the thick of it, you know, but I was telling her that I've only seen one documentary and it was about this woman who pretended that she was in one of the towers. And I'm saying this to say, she had this whole story about the fact that her fiance died and that she was saved by one of the firemen and one of the firemen that actually passed away. She told the family that he was the one who saved her. She ended up speaking at the memorial service. She was there when they broke ground at the new, you know, when uh, Giuliani and a few of the councilmen and all the people from New York, you know, they all rallied because they were breaking ground for the new, the new towers and stuff. She was presented with not a key to the city, but she was instrumental in, in a lot of the press and everything that went on. And all that to say, she lied. It was a whole lie. She was never there. She wasn't even in New York. But it's a fascinating uh, documentary because that just goes back to what I was saying about a lie. She had to come up with a whole story about this fiance who didn't even exist and that they were just about to get married, but he died in the in the tower and, and she was saved and, you know, this whole thing. And, it, and come to find out she lied about the whole thing. And the family asked her to speak at the memorial service and she spoke. And it was a it was a total lie. Well, you know, it brings up how desperate people can be to be accepted, or how much they need the recognition mm -hmm. or some kind of validation that they've lived or that they're important. Right. And then there's no way that she could have. And she ended up being in that in the survivors group, and she found this whole new group of friends. And, and and people that they all experienced the same thing because they were all in the towers and they survived. Mm -hmm. And so she's in this group with all these people sharing these story, sharing the story that didn't exist. It didn't happen. And I just found it so fascinating, like that she could get so entrenched in this lie that I think it's on some level she really believed it. People who do live in that kind of fantasy, yeah, and it brings up that whole idea of you know, hopefully, as, as we get older, we we begin 
as you said earlier, to appreciate the fact that we are the prize mm-hmm. and that our lives are fine the way they are. We don't have to embellish them. Mm-hmm. We just have to live. Right. And that, yeah, I just, I just, I don't know. I just found that the most fascinating thing is that this woman, and it wasn't for a month. This was for like four years that she carried on this lie. Um, and then when she's finally caught, you know, all the people that she had come become close with, and or they were all devastated by it because they had been hoodwinked for all these years. And then what the one of the guys who was, I guess, he was a president. She basically got him outed of the group and she became president. So <laughs> it's like, it's one thing if you know for a fact you shouldn't belong there, but then you're actually going to get the person who really belongs there out so you can become, I don't know. I just, it was the most fascinating story. But all that to say that I could never make, I could never make up that kind of story if I was going to a bridal shop. I'd probably have to tell him. Yes. I'm I'm manifesting a husband, so I'd like to try on a gown and then nobody would help me because they know that they didn't they wouldn't get a commission because I'm not buying a gown actually. So well you never know. You might then ultimately decide that you're going to put one on hold and pay on it for X amount of time. Yeah, no. So they might get some commission. Well, first of all, I would never do that because I know that my my taste would probably change. The one thing that I thought I wanted, you know. Well, that brings us back to the, the thing of saying what we think we want in our 20s, 30s, or even our 40s may not necessarily be the thing that is most important to us at this point in our lives. And uh, I know I would tell my younger self that you know, whatever seems so painful today may not even register in mm-hmm. five years or ten years or you'll have different goals. And the thing that's going to take away all the sting of the pain you're in at the moment. Right. And the thing that that listens to their future self anyway. Yeah. And the thing that wipes you out is not going to wipe you out. The thing that you think you'll never get over, there's going to be one day that you're going to forget about it. Yes. And you're going to go, oh, wow. (laughs) What was I thinking? I thought that I would never, ever, ever get over that. And that's not necessarily the case. So true. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.